Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's great to be with you this Monday. Hope your week is kicking off well. I am finally diving into the Senate hearings with the major social media CEOs who are, I think for lack of better words, really have a fire under them right now when it comes to the clear fact that everyone knows that social media is bad for kids. It's bad for teenagers. Why it continues to be used as such, it's become just as Mark Zuckerberg has said time and time again during the Senate Judiciary hearings, It's a tool. It's a tool. And it's up to parents, essentially, for how they use it. It was interesting to me. I've been watching some of the footage from the hearings over the last few weeks, which I've been playing a little bit of catch up on and just watching what's been going on. I mean, they are being put on blast by people such as Senator Josh Hawley, who I'm a huge fan of when it comes to standing for truth, biblical truth. We've actually interviewed him here on Trending on the topic of masculinity. Fantastic interview. If you haven't heard it, his book, on masculinity is fantastic. Uh, But he has really pushed, just for example, from a few weeks ago, Mark Zuckerberg, to take personal accountability for what's happening to the victims of social media. And yes, parents are responsible as well. But what's happened has been literally, at the end of the day, some kids choosing to commit suicide because they are being exposed to and being presented by social media algorithms with content that is extremely harmful for minors. Now, we're seeing various CEOs of social media, some of whom jumping ship from the rest of the group, such as Snapchat, stepping away from CEOs for TikTok, X, and Meta, and they're backing a federal bill that would hold them, social media platforms, accountable and responsible for the content they recommend. Sounds a little convenient for Snapchat since it's already users who create a lot of the horrific content peer-to-peer, so it's a little easier for them to jump ship there, interestingly. But TikTok X and Meta CEOs each have their excuses. TikTok CEO says, well, we really crack down on no one using it under the age of 13. Eh. I don't know about that. Then you have ex-CEOs who say that they don't cater to children. What's going on here? Joining me, no better person for this topic, is Melanie Hempy. She is a founder of ScreenStrong.com, and it truly is the solution that parents, adults need for navigating tech today. Melanie, welcome to Trending. I would love to hear your thoughts on the Senate hearings, putting social media platforms and CEOs on blast. I'd like to start with what's at stake with these hearings for those who haven't been following them. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Always love coming on and visiting about these uh, tech topics, right? We cover them a lot on your show here. Um, so the the Senate hearings, they're very interesting if you do have time to go and listen to them, because of course, everything's all recorded and <laughs> easy to find. It's very interesting to watch 
how the senators are interviewing the tech companies, um, you know, the reps there. And we all, I think the thing I love about it the most is that it is actually drawing some incredible attention to this issue. And it absolutely needs to be drawn, right? We can all agree that there is a problem. There's a huge mental health problem. And just in my everyday work, I have just been uh, just very sad about another family with a son, a young 16-year-old who's committed suicide. And it was over um, a you know sextortion situation. Um, so my heart is so heavy with this issue. So I'm so thrilled that there is the attention being brought. Now, the thing that is a little interesting, and when you, you watch the hearings and you listen to all of the back and forth, it is very interesting to watch the, the tech executives try to sort of defend what's happening because, you know, you can't, right? It's very difficult to uh, just make sense of it. And it, it's all kind of a new, weird problem that we're having. We have a situation where kids are being let loose on a technology that was never designed for them. It was never, social media was never designed for a teenager, for any teens, certainly not for a preteen. Um, their brain development is completely just the opposite of what you would need to have um, you know, good use of social media. Now, most adults have a hard time using it, right? We can right. all admit it's, yes. it's very difficult for us. We scroll and scroll and we get all caught into that uh, persuasive you know, design, you know, the content and all the different things that are so weird and graphic and novel, we can't let it go. Well, our kids certainly can't let it go. The problem is that teenagers have so much more to lose. So what I really, to, to give you my overview on it, I feel like it's good that this is being talked about. However, Timory, I do not believe that there's anything that the big tech companies can do to keep our kids safe. Now, the question is, you know, should they? Should they be sued? Are they responsible? Is it truly their responsibility? And you probably already know what I'm going to say, that really, no, it is the parents' responsibility. We cannot rely on any legislation to do our job for us. Now, can we um, agree that there should be legislation? Sure, go ahead. Let's Let's raise the age to 16, maybe, instead of 13, the way they have it set up right now. You and I both know that that is really not going to work because there's no way to police it. But would it be good to have? Sure, I'll take it. But <laughs> you see the dilemma? There's no way because a child can go on, a teen will go on, and mm -hmm. the way teen brains are, they are in the height of their uh, craving for puzzles to figure out, <laughs> and they want to figure out the latest and greatest parental control and how I can work around. And if TikTok says you have to be 16 to be on this platform, guess what? They're going to count down, figure out what birthday they have to count in. And exactly. they're, they're just going to put it in. I think so, when I was a kid, MySpace was one of the earlier things that was available. And I went online both with MySpace and I think with Facebook. And I just calculated a different birthday, yeah. changed it a little bit. And boom, I was on. That's just what you do to get on social media. And it's interesting to me that this is 
where people are saying, oh, well, you're not allowed on if you're not 13 or we have different protections. The reality is, is like you said, none of it is enough. What's at stake? It's kids' mental health. But at the end of the day, whether they are held accountable or not, which currently uh, these big tech companies are actually really protected in in essence by the law that being held not liable at all and i think that's why it was interesting i loved in i'll actually post a link to this video during the senate judiciary hearing committees where senator josh hawley really put meta ceo mark zuckerberg on point and he he really pushed zuckerberg like are you going are you taking personal accountability like what are you doing you make billions of dollars off of your platforms and i mean just mark zuckerberg can't answer for anything at a certain point senator holly tells him to turn around and then tells all of these parents who have children who committed suicide to hold up the photos of their children and mark zuckerberg for a moment is speechless and any human would do so he starts to apologize but it's a little too late and they don't want to be held accountable. They're there because they have to be legally. And yet at the end right. of the day, this is about money. And this is what's frightening because you are highlighting the issue at hand. And that is that we need strong, as you refer to, screen rules, screen practices, like having that plan for adults, but also for kids if you have children in your family. So what should parents do? And I know we'll dive into some resources a little later on. Yeah. Uh, but what should parents do in relation to these Senate hearings and just what what I think the expectation is of themselves moving forward, no matter the outcome? Yeah. And, and I know there's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of outrage and rightly so. There's a lot of righteous sort of outrage over it. And I understand. I deeply understand the pain. I understand the need for justice. But I'm just going to have to say on this one where I, I understand that that there are certain things that they can kind of put the Band-Aid on. But I'm just here to tell you that it is absolutely not that the responsibility of all the tech companies, the, the, the you know, train has left the station. We need to understand that we, parents, me, myself, with my older kids, I made mistakes with this. I allowed way too much of, you know, time on these things. That is my responsibility. And that's where I just want to be careful. We can have anger around it and we can be mad at all the people there, which is really interesting, actually, because none of their kids are on social media, right? Yes. Because tech company kids, like, they, they don't let their kids on it. Um, it's kind of like that. I kind of look at it with smoking. You know, do we um, have lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit of kids who are dying of some sort of cancer because they're smoking? Well, the bottom line is, as a parent, you just you just shouldn't allow your kids to smoke. So are we going to go shut down all the tech companies or I mean, all the tobacco companies? That could be a strategy. In my opinion, I believe that it's better to kind of take care of your own house for now because you don't have time to spend all the years it's going to take to go try to shut down a tech company or shut down the big tobacco company. So right now we are going to have structure and we're going to try to teach our kids how to live without it. Right. And that's what, that's my thing. I love the hearings that they're happening. I love the attention that it's bringing. It is absolutely bringing a lot of awareness to this issue, which is fabulous, but we have to be careful if we are going to constantly try to put blame on someone 
you know, really we got to just look back in the mirror and just say, what can I do today to protect my family? And then we, we just can't be angry. And I know that the families, because I've interviewed them before on my podcast, I know the pain. I totally know the pain, but they bought into a lie. And now, Timory, what ScreenStrong is doing and what we've got to continue to do is undo that lie, continue to talk about the truth. The truth will never change. The truth is that teenagers cannot handle social media. And like I said a minute ago, it was never designed for them to handle it. Mm-hmm. So we should all take a big, deep breath and realize, hey, there's nothing wrong with our kids. This is just completely the wrong thing for them. So we can get mad at the car companies if our kids have an accident in the car and we can get mad at Big Tobacco if they smoke and get sick. But really, you know, we can get mad at Big Tech, but really we just need maybe not to let them drive that car, you know, if they're too young, not to let them smoke that cigarette and actually not let them get on social media. And that means that they cannot have a smartphone. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Because if they have a smartphone, they are going to figure out how to get on social media and they're not bad kids. They're normal, healthy kids. This is a natural thing for kids to try to do. So what it's screen strong, we just recommend, Hey, you know what? We're going to skip this. We're going to bypass this. We're going to actually do childhood where we do fun things and spend time together. And, you know, we're not worried about what content they're on. Isn't it crazy, Timory, that as parents, we are constantly telling our kids to behave on social media. It's like, do we tell them to behave while they're playing their Legos or while they're reading a book? No, we don't have that same urge to do that, but we're constantly telling them to behave. And so, and then we are so grateful, aren't we, that we do not have permanent reels of all the stupid things we did when we were growing up that's posted on social media somewhere. Mm -hmm. We know what we would have done if we had had social media. And so I want to always remind parents please let's get kind of to our senses again and realize that while big tech, yes, they are making a lot of money off of your kids. Absolutely. That is a true statement. But until they force my child to be on social media, I'm just going to take care of my own situation in my own home. It starts in the individual homes. Then once we get change in our own home, then we can link arms and we can create a movement where we get our kids off of social media, because you know what? That's the only thing that's really going to hurt them. If you really want to hurt the big tech companies, just get your kids off. That That's, you got to hit yeah. them where the big yeah. dollar is. Yeah. And I think coming back to Mark Zuckerberg's brief apology when he was put on spot by Senator Hawley and was turned around to face the parents of all yeah. the children who had committed suicide, there was a little bit of me that felt bad because, well, yes, Mark Zuckerberg has some responsibility. I don't think it's fair to leave all the responsibility on these tech CEOs. I mean, I'm just seeing this in the season of parenting I'm in. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And my three-year-old got this toy for Christmas that she found in a drawer because I was saving it for when we were going to be flying on an airplane next. And it's not no LED screen, but it has like a little maybe inch high screen and it's very narrow and it plays music. I remember when I was a kid, I had a music yeah. player, but it didn't have screens. It just had buttons. And it's fascinating to me because when she grabs it, she lays down on the ground, which my kid never just lays down on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and she sits there and plays with it. The sounds, even this little like black dotted screen, she loves. And I was just commenting to my husband because we are we don't have a TV and we do yeah. watch movies from time to time, but we either have it projected or on a 
computer at a distance. And it's interesting to me because we know the brain is wired for novelty and we know the brain is responding to these pings and dings, or in this case, the wheels on the bus playing or whatever song it is playing for her. But it leads to this stagnation and this utter and complete like invested interest that is dangerous for kids. And if we don't have self-awareness and navigating that and helping them to navigate it, you talk a lot about how the brain isn't fully developed till 25. I think that these are opportunities for growth rather than saying, hey, I wonder what's going to happen, like you say, Melanie, with these tech companies and what level of accountability there is so that I then follow based on that for my family changes. I think that that's the problem. So let's come back with you in just a moment and dive into a new resource you guys have there at ScreenStrong.com because I love the work you have. You have a new book coming out next month, and it's to help kids and how their brains interact with screens and to strengthen focus. So we'll come back here diving into exercises to to build the brain and to help with improving focus and growth when it comes to the way the brain works with Melanie from ScreenStrong.com. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Would you like to be able to improve your focus? anything you're working on attention span seem to go like that today and this is something we can all benefit from there's a new program coming up from out from screenstrong.com my guest today is melanie hempy the founder of screenstrong helping to navigate the greatest challenges surrounding screens and children's behavior as a result of it or our distraction as a result of how we use our screens today. And this book is fantastic. It's coming out March 1st. I just had a look at it today. And just to give you a little glimpse of what's going on, this is helping to address understanding brain development, why we want to use screens the way we do, some of the dangers, a lot of the mental health risks, and things to do to prevent just falling into tech use. Now, something that came up in your new book, Melanie, that's coming out next month was brain building activities and what's so needed for all of us, but especially for teenagers and kids. And I love where you start with the fact that we need boredom, how boredom fuels the brain and fuels creativity. So can you walk us through these brain building activities? It's just a glimpse of a couple pages of your new book. The book, um, this is written for 10-year-old children and up. So we're really kind of trying to focus in that middle school, you know, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And you know what we're finding is that the parents are falling in love with it (laughs) because they're learning so much. And so just like what you're talking about in the first lesson, we have all this stuff about brain development. And one of the things in the second section in that lesson is we talk about how to build a healthy brain. Because we really feel like the way to combat this screen problem that we have in our culture is to actually start educating our kids, Timory. And I know, you know, we've got to get educated as parents, but it's education plus community. That's where our solutions are going to come from. And this has been our most requested item from parents. Do you have something for my kids? Is there something that my kids can read to learn about what's happening to their brain when they're on a screen? And then as you're pointing out, this little section is talking about brain building activities. So it's really positive. It's not negative. It's a very positive experience. 
Um, and yes, you're exactly right. We have to start with boredom <laughs> and boredom is so hard for kids, right? And when they're on their screen, that is the last thing. And so what happens is we are creating this whole generation of kids who cannot be bored. And as a result, they're going to be more anxious because you have to be able to navigate boredom. And we don't, or we're not here to say that screen strong kids are bored. Let me tell you. Um, in fact, when your kids are addicted to screens, they're going to be way more, they're going to say they're bored every minute that they're off their screens. And when mm -hmm. you have screen strong kids who are living in the natural world, they are never bored because they have so yes. many things, yes. right? To yep. do. It's interesting so it, you mentioned that because I keep thinking about my childhood. I grew up in the mountains and I was never bored. If I yeah. had downtime, that was the best thing because I took off outside. We would go hiking. We would go we would go digging holes for hours. We would go outside yeah. and play and make soups and foods with the rocks yeah. and the plants that were outside. Or yes. I would read and for hours. And that's simply not something you see kids doing today. And it's really neat when you do see that happen because they're so joyful. They're at peace. They're content. And it's the opposite of what's happening on screens today. And the reason why they're not bored and they have such a hard time with this, this good boredom is because their limbic area of their brain is hyperstimulated. And when you're on a screen, especially interactive screens, now, if you're just sitting watching a baseball game, it's a little different, but when you're on interactive screens, your, your middle of your brain is super, super, you know, um, stimulated and so you can't focus. And so what do we need to teach kids to do in order to bring this focus back? First of all, they got to get off their screens. And then we'll just talk here just for a second about some of the things that are covered here. One of the first things on there besides boredom, we put a whole little section there, but it's exercising. Mm -hmm. And when you're on a screen, Timmy, you cannot exercise. I don't care what you try to do, but you can't run or ride your bike and play a video game at the same time, right? And you can't be on your phone and, and do all this when you're a kid. But exercising really, really builds your brain, especially when you're young. And we even know that now for us, that if you've been working at the computer for a long time, you've got to get up and move in order to clear mm -hmm. your head. And, you know, you can come back to a project and be fresh. And that movement really, really helps. The other thing that I don't think people understand is uh, such a brain building activity for kids is this connection with family and being in person with them. When you are in person with another human being, especially when you're a kid, when you're with your family, you've got all sorts of neural connections just firing like firecrackers in your brain. And that is forming new connections. And that's what we want. We don't want a dormant brain. We want a very active brain and being with other people creates a lot of those connections. The next thing is just being social without screens. Being social with your peers, you know, now it's like everybody tries to play on their video game together or they're on Instagram together. No, you're not. That is not being social. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. We keep thinking that, oh, I have a friend. Well, you know what? You've never even met that friend in person. So you probably don't really have a friend. You think you do. Another part of this book, we talk about friendship. We have a whole section, a whole chapter on it because we know for this age, it's really important. Their friends are really important. And we have a section where we talk about how many friends can your brain handle. And this is all based on evidence-based research. And there's one little statistic I'll tell you that's in here that is so fabulous. It takes 200 hours to build a friendship of end time being with someone in person. So if from a casual acquaintance to a good friend, 
it takes 200 of in-person mm-hmm. um, hours yes. together. That's a and lot of French, time. That is that's a, a lot, lot of time. time. And it's yes, interesting because I've seen some of the data where it shows, okay, if you want this type of friendship, you need to spend X so much time. If you want that level of friendship, you need to spend X, X right. so much time. And it's startling when you look at tech today and just how busy people's lives are that if we're not building strong connections with family, with friendships, we are going to be lacking those neurochemicals that are so beneficial That's when it right. comes to person-to-person, hand-to-hand, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball contact. And so, Tamara, you and I were able to do that when we were kids. So we have a lot of uh, friends that we can then stay in connection with on social media, but our kids haven't even built the friends yet. So they're going to grow up with a very empty tank when it comes to friendships. And this is where a lot of the anxiety and depression and suicide, ideation, all the things, because they feel so lonely because we have done them such a disservice. We haven't allowed them to get off their screen, build all that friendship in person that is where those critical friendship, that, that time has to be spent in person. Playing music is another thing that, you know, we hear the research on this a lot for babies. Well, it continues. Music is very brain building. It's a wonderful brain building activity. And if you can get your kids to play an instrument, that's even better. And it doesn't even matter if they can ever be good at it. All right. They can play Mary had a little lamb just from now till the time they graduate from high school. And it's still going to be incredible brain building benefits for them. They don't have to be Mozart. They just need to go through that action of playing music, writing on paper, Timory. We know the critical thing that happens when you have that pencil in your hand and you're holding it and you're making the letter, your brain is actually mapping what your hand is doing. That doesn't happen when you're typing. It's zero. That just doesn't happen at all. Mm -hmm. So if you want to really build your kid's brain, hand them some crayons, get those markers out. When they get a little bit older, have them write things. I used to have my kids write grocery lists all the time. Just anything I could think of. Oh, honey, can you write this down? You just want them to use their hands to mm-hmm. write on paper and creative, creative stories and journaling too. I mean, oh, I love yeah, where journaling. you gave the simple, write this list for me. And it's funny because people talk so much about mindfulness today and being connected yeah. with your, connected with your body, feel your feet on the floor. Yeah. And that's part of writing. Like you're actually physically tangibly holding the pen, paying attention to your hand, the writing on the words, where the ball, of the pen is. There's something so significant about that, that I think that as we have these, this research, Research. I think of Jordan Peterson, who's big about writing yeah. and journaling your life. Well, part of it is, yes, the journaling and the content itself, but a lot of it is the process that occurs there. And the brain development research is so clear on that, how that writing activity just creates all these connections in your brain, very different than when you're actually touching a keyboard with the very tip of your finger. Very few neurons are actually being stimulated the you know thing I've always said for teenage girls especially, we need to get rid of the smartphones and give them a journal instead. They need to write their feelings down every night in that private journal that gets stuck under their bed that nobody gets to read. They can get it out. They need to be able to write, like you said, their stories, the journaling, plus the very active handwriting is very healing for their brains. They need to exercise that part of their brain and boys too. Boys need to journal. Um, I think it's really important at night before they go to bed, if you can get, if you have young kids and you can get them into this little habit of keeping a journal, it will soothe them. It will calm them. And the writing is so beneficial to their brain. 
that right along with that is that being creative with art and drama. So art, it's kind of that same thing with your hands. You're making clay or you're doing a painting. We always had markers and art supplies out on our kitchen table so the kids could just grab it. It has to be an easy reach. You don't want to try to put things away. <laughs> I mean, your house is going to be a little messy here for a while. And then drama, if your kids can ever be in the school play or do anything where they can get up on a stage and, you know, that activity, that is also very good for brain development. You know, I know that public speaking is very difficult for people. So when you can get over that at an early age, boy, you've got a huge benefit in life um, after that. But this creativity is what our brain needs. We need to be innovative. We need to think about solutions to problems. And it all starts playing, like you said, in the backyard, making stews out of rocks and weeds. This is where that creativity starts. When we get on a screen, this is not happening because the creativity has already been done. The person who created the, the game or whatever, they, they maybe got some creativity out, but your child is not being creative when they are watching and scrolling on a screen. The next thing is just getting enough sleep that, you know, we have a whole section in here on sleep. We, we devoted a whole section to it. So your, your child at a young age can learn why sleep is so important. This will help them the rest of their life. And the way we explain it, it's like your brain takes a bath every night, right? Because that cerebral spinal fluid washes your brain at night. It literally washes away toxins. Your brain wakes up when you go to sleep and your brain starts working. So if you don't get enough sleep, your brain is not going to be as developed. It is going to suffer. And I think some of the illustrations in here, you've seen them, the illustrations just come to life with these, with these facts that we're giving kids. And so these illustrations are going to stick in their brain. They're going to remember these pictures. They're beautiful. This is like a graphic novel for kids. Um, it, and I'm kind of, I feel a little guilty in a way because it's like, Ooh, it's hard, hard to put down. Timory is kind of like a little it's persuasive fantastic. design yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's very it's, well made. And I love that you mentioned it's for kids age 10 and up. And as an adult, I benefit from it. These, this list of things to do from the sleep to the reading the books, being out in nature. It's not just what kids oh, yeah. need to really challenge and grow the brain and the brain pathways as you discuss in the book, but it's what we need for our attention span. It's what we need to overcome Maybe the sorrow and despair of boredom today mm -hmm. that so many people mm -hmm. are struggling with. And as we were discussing the Senate Judiciary hearings with tech CEOs on blast right now, this is the solution to the predominant yeah. needs and challenges of kids today, but also to address our attention span, our loneliness, our isolation as adults as well. So I love everything you're doing, Melanie. This book's not available yet for pre-order, but it is available coming up on March 1st. So you're going to have to drop me a yeah, line when it's available because Amazon. we'll link to your website <laughs> now. And then when it's out on the 1st, yes. we'll be sure to get you back on and post it on social media. Yes, we'll definitely talk about it because it's going to be so fun. And, and absolutely, you're right. Parents are going to love it just as much as their kids. And uh, let me just end with one quick little thing. There's a phone call I got from a mom who's in our beta test group. And she said, Melanie, you're not going to believe it. The book came in the mail. My 14-year-old is reading it. And, he, and he's not putting it down. 
Fantastic. She said, I was trying to show it to my friend the other day and it was up in his room on his nightstand. He's actually reading it at night. And so we were so excited. So it's it's going really well. The science is fascinating. And this is what I find over and over again. Teenagers want the science. They are going to challenge you and push you. And if they're not challenging you and pushing you when it comes to the science of your beliefs, that's actually a bad sign that you're not having good enough conversations. I'm just throwing it out there. And so know that they are challenging you behind the scenes in their mind, whether they're posting on social media or talking to someone else. So to have this data and the science and help them understand their brains, they love it because they get to know themselves. And this is very human-centered when it comes to faith and theology to see the significance of even how it helps us to pray better. You're mentioning going outside, journaling, writing on paper, even all of these things help us to be more present and aware of God and His creation and His plan for us. So I love what you're doing, Melanie. ScreenStrong.com is a resource, and you have resources to, okay, you're not doing smartphones. This is a type of non-smartphone if you really need something for talk text only. So we'll post a link to your website on social media in the episode notes. I'll be right back in just a moment. I wanted to dive into some of the latest news with regard to who's going to church the most, where faith is the strongest, and what it can tell us about what we need to do to strengthen our faith. What's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. There's a saying in the church, I've heard it many times before. I don't know who it's attributed to. I should look it up, but it's, It goes along the lines of this. The blood of martyrs really remains the seed of Christianity. That where Catholics are persecuted, we are the most faithful. And that was recently repeated by some of the priests in Nigeria. Now, if you haven't had your finger on the pulse of Nigeria, here's something interesting. A study came out recently from Georgetown University having to do with Catholics and Who's the most active when it comes to practicing their faith? And guess what? More than nine out of 10 Catholics in Nigeria go to Mass not just daily, but some of them even, sorry, not just weekly, but some of them even daily. So in other words, when you look at Mass attendance, the people most likely to go to Mass more frequently are people in Nigeria who are some of the most persecuted people today. Now, follow that by Catholics in Kenya, 7 out of 10, and in Lebanon, nearly 7 out of 10 Catholics as well. This is interesting, especially in light of the fact that maybe you heard the news over, the Chris- over Christmas in the midst of our celebrations. Christmas Eve 2023, 140 Nigerians were slayed, killed by gunmen. Muslims there in Nigeria. There's ongoing bad there are ongoing battles between Muslim Fulani herdsmen and Christian farmers. It continues to go on. In fact, just two weeks ago, 
Some of the latest news out of Nigeria was that over a dozen kids under the age of 10, little boys and little girls, along with two priests, were kidnapped. Now, some of them were released, but here's the deal. What's fascinating as we here in the United States safely practice our faith, even if publicly you might have some egg on your face, and we're sitting here doing research and studies, for example, at Georgetown University about how active people are in their faith and what countries, people in Nigeria who are practicing their faith are literally being killed for it, kidnapped. And yet they're the ones going to Mass, not just weekly, but many of whom daily, more frequently. What does that tell us? Well, here's something interesting. I, during college and since college, have had a number of friends and peers from the Chaldean Catholic community, many of whom who migrated here after significant persecution in Iraq. My husband's family is Lebanese. My father-in-law migrated here in the midst of being a 17-year-old young man having fought in the Christian militia, seeing many friends and family members die in the fight for faith, the fight for the freedom of religion, to live life as a Christian, specifically a Catholic. And it's fascinating to me to see many of my friends and peers from the Middle East, especially those coming from Iraq, how passionate they are for their faith. They would die. They would literally die before publicly renouncing their faith. And that statement, my producer Jim just put it up, it's a Tertullian, the early church father Tertullian, who said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. What are we willing to die for? I think that's the question. Because here the excuse in the United States for not going to Mass is, quote, I just don't have enough time. Similar excuse for why people don't pray. I don't have enough time. We will make time for what matters the most to us. Now, for the Christians in Nigeria, what matters the most to Catholics there is going to Mass, not just weekly, but often even daily. And they're dying. They're being kidnapped for it. When I was a little girl, my parents helped to open a maternity home for women who were in crisis pregnancy to be a place for them to live. And during that time, my mom actually wrote back and forth with who we now know as St. Mother Teresa. And in their correspondence, St. Mother Teresa wrote to her about how in the West, that's here in the United States, includes the United States, here in the West, we're living a white martyrdom. In other words, we're not facing a bloody martyrdom as those faithful Catholics in places such as Nigeria, Iraq, and Lebanon. Are But here, we face a white martyrdom, one where we have a little bit of egg on our face if someone knows we're Catholic or if we disagree on topics such as abortion, sexuality, how we navigate money and education. We have a little egg on our face when people know and find out we're embarrassed. There might be a little hostility. Or better yet, there's often not even hostility, but just discomfort. And I find it fascinating how often we're afraid to be confident and comfortable in our beliefs politely out of fear for what we think other people think of us. Because often if you're confident and polite and respectful of your beliefs, what do you have to fear? I think the biggest fear is often what we make of what other people think of us. Because we're stuck in this culture of comparing 
ourselves to others or being fearful of how we measure up to other people's ideas. We don't face that literal bloody martyrdom that people in the East do. But as St. Mother Teresa wrote in her letters to my mom, today some of the hardest things to do are to stand by the fact that we're pro-life. Stand by the fact that, yes, we believe in God and we should be able to worship him, not just within the four walls of a church, but in the ways we conduct business, the type of things we're exposed to or exposed children to in the education system, the way we manage money. And yet we're so afraid to speak up. Yet the very people in Nigeria and different parts of the Middle East, they're not afraid. I remember some years ago when I was in college, there were a number of young Chaldean children who had migrated here from Iraq. And they were probably somewhere between the ages of 8 and 13. And there was a video of them being interviewed about their faith, why it mattered. And they were talking about how deeply they love God, that they were willing to die for him. These little children, these little girls were willing and able to say that. And to some, that sounds morbid and shocking. But the true Christian perspective when it comes to faith and the afterlife and persecution should be theirs. Joyful love for Christ in the midst of whatever we might face. It's food for thought as we navigate this Lenten season. It's food for for thought as we sit afraid to share our beliefs or even to just be ourselves and have someone find out what we actually believe. More often than not, I find people don't find out via words, but they find out through actions. I was talking to a friend a couple months ago who was in the season of making some new relationships, living in a new city, and never shared any of her views when it came to abortion, never shared that she was pro-life. She just lived and interacted in a way that was pro-mom and pro-baby. and. One of her peers ended up seeking out an abortion. And what was sad and interesting was that her peer, after having had the abortion, without ever saying that she was pregnant, without ever saying that she had an abortion, suddenly started to have this hateful response to my friend. And it took a couple of weeks for everything to come out into the open. And there was suddenly this realization that this woman knew that my friend had a strong pro-life stance, even though they had never before spoken about abortion, and that she felt convicted just by the fact that she knew her friend, her new friend, was pro-life without even saying anything. And that at the same time as she wanted to be angry because she felt judged, even though no one ever said anything about abortion, no one even knew she was pregnant, it was also the same person she wanted to go running to for hope and healing because she had a different narrative that spoke counterculturally to what we experience that spoke christianity and hope for women in a culture that says destroy your children destroy your body at all costs to find the future you want to have but then a woman has an abortion she finds there is no future And this is truly why I believe St. Mother Teresa in that letter when she found out that my mom had opened up that maternity home and started writing to my mom, she spoke of white martyrdom because today it's hard to stand by Christian values even without preaching Christianity. You wear your Christianity by the very person you are, the kindness, the gentleness, the perseverance, 
that you move forward with, the endurance in the midst of persecution and criticism, the endurance in the midst of fear. There's much to be learned from Christians in the Middle East, from Christians in Nigeria and other places. They're willing not just to go to Mass on Sundays, but even during the weekdays. Our excuse is time. What's theirs? They're being kidnapped and killed in their own churches. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. As we continue into this first week of Lent, I was reading this weekend a passage from Isaiah, and I thought it was fruitful for our meditation and everything that I hope that you're persevering and working on this Lent, because this is a time to do deep work, to eradicate sin from our lives, looking at that predominant sin and matching it up with the various sacrifices and penances we're being called to in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, Wash yourselves clean. Put away your misdeeds from before my eyes. Cease doing evil. Learn to do good. Make justice your arm. Redress the wronged. Hear the orphan's plea. Defend the widow. Come now, let us set things right, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as snow. Though they be crimson red, they may become white as wool. This passage from Isaiah is profound because it's calling for conversion. Conversion only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Isaiah was a prophet preaching of the coming of the Messiah. If you spent any time, and I really hope you do, that you carve out a little bit of time on Fridays during Lent to go to the Stations of the Cross. I love reading the Stations of the Cross because you see the prophecies and the foretelling of Jesus Christ in the writings, for example, of the suffering servant as seen in the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament and many other places. And you see literally these predictions about his suffering in his life. And here you see this example in this short little passage from Isaiah chapter 1. There would be to be washed clean by God. Though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as snow. Though they be crimson red, they may become white as wool. Where does that purification come from? The purification comes through the help of our Lord Jesus Christ. The purification comes just a moment ago. We were discussing how Christians in Nigeria, Catholics in Nigeria, are the ones who practice their faith the most, go to Mass the most frequently, not just on weekends, but also many of whom on weekdays. And St. Tertullian said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Why is that significant? Because part of the martyrdom that needs to occur for us here in the West is that we need to let go of those sins that we continue to commit because we're too afraid to live our faith. We're too afraid by who we will be critiqued by. Don't be afraid. When conversion comes, people are going to critique. People are going to criticize. Even surprisingly, those people who sometimes you think are the most faithful and closest to you. And so as you navigate this season of needed perseverance in the grace of Christ. Remember this passage from Isaiah. Wash yourselves clean. Put away your misdeeds from before my eyes. What are those misdeeds that need to be cast off? 
not hidden, but eradicated from your life with a good and conscious, conscious effort. When you clean, let's say, a dirty sink that's just covered with thick grime and perhaps soap scum and it's not been cleaned or sanitized for weeks or months or maybe even years, it takes time to make something clean. It takes time to scrape off, sanitize. Some of it even has erosion. So how are you washed clean? Through work, but through the grace of Jesus Christ. And we will be transformed. So let this season be a time to put in the hard work and to be transformed by Jesus Christ by being faithful to him. Because if we don't have faith, we have nothing. If we don't have charity, we don't have anything. If we don't have hope, we don't have anything. That's why these three theological virtues are an absolute gift from God. And so as you're navigating these few weeks and you dive through your various ups and downs of the Lenten season, persevere. Remember this passage from Isaiah and remember the necessity to be purified by the love and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that we might be with him in heaven one day and pray for those Christians who are being persecuted in the Middle East, especially in Nigeria. This is Timray from Trending with Timray. Father Robert Spitzer is joining me Tuesday on Trending, and if you've never heard him before, you don't want to miss this conversation on how faith and science collide in a good way. We'll dive into rational and scientific evidence for human freedom and the uniqueness of human intelligence. Also, are there miracles today, like those of Jesus and the apostles? Finally, who are some of the people who are more apt to stay Catholic than not? Find out Tuesday on Trending, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.